Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Our Advent sermon series this year is The Cast of Christmas. The title of Dr. Fenton's sermon today is The Celebration is Over, But the Reality Continues. The big idea is the hope is not in the holiday of Christmas, but in applying the meaning of the life and death of Christ to everyday life. It's good to be with you again this Sunday, and I've really enjoyed my few weeks here among you, and I'm excited regarding the future of this church and your pastor. Wow, I think God has great things in store for Mountain Brook Baptist Church and for uh, uh, Dr. Splon and for what he's going to do uh, through him here at your church. Today is a, a little bit the beginning of an awkward time in our, in our year. We've just finished Advent. We're into the Christmas season now. And for the next 12 days, we, uh, we, we're in Christmas tide, as some, some traditions call it. But for most of us, this week is sort of a week without rhythm. We, many do not have to work and some are supposed to work and don't. <laughs> and it's just sort of awkward. The English uh, have a word for it. Uh, it's uh, really in the pop culture in England. It's crimbo limbo. That's what this week is called. And you will read occasionally about it here in the United States because it's sort of picking up popularity here as a, 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 as a phrase. Crimbo limbo. What does that really mean? Well, it sort of means Christmas is sort of muddled and this week there's no progress being made. Now, we sort of enjoy that time physically and emotionally. But spiritually, we should never be in crimbo limbo. We should always be making progress growing in the Christian faith. And today, we're going to see how we can do that. Today's going to be more like a Sunday school lesson for most of you. It's things you already know, but probably, well, may have forgotten, may have neglected, but they, they may be on your front burner as well. Today, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel according to John, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. These are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. 
such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the obeying of his word. During the last few weeks, we've read the Christmas stories. You may have read it with your family yesterday and as a part of the Christmas Eve service. What two passages, one in the Old Testament and Old Testament, one in the New Testament, do you think best summarizes the Christmas story? Well, if I had to choose one verse in the Old Testament, it would be Isaiah 7:14, And a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Or in the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, both of these summarize the Christmas story without giving us all of the details, and both of them emphasize that the meaning of Christmas or the incarnation is that God is with us. And in some ways, that's the root of all the story. It's the announcement that God has interrupted all of human history to come and live among us. Now, we can understand in the coming of Christ how he came, did miracles, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, rose on the third day, ascended, went into the heaven. And sometimes we think that's when God with us left us. How do we experience God with us in our current life? in the here and now. Is there a word from God that helps us? There is. That's where John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, really come into effect in our life. Now, here's some background to help us understand that. Jesus says, I am the true vine. God is the gardener. The vine in, in Israel was was for most people the symbol, the visual symbol of, of Israel. On the, on the front of the great temple, there was, there was a golden vine. And when people saw the vine, they knew immediately that they were, when the, uh, they were to think of Israel, God's people. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, it's more than just a play on words. It's a real transition that's taking place. The temple was where God and man met. That was considered holy territory. It was where the divine God and humanity with its brokenness would meet in the temple. But with the coming of Jesus, he became the temple. When he says, they'll tear this down, build it back in three days, 
Obviously, he's talking about himself because it is in Christ, God, holy, perfect. Jesus, man, bears the sins of the world, yet he is perfect, come together. And in a way, he's saying, I am this new identity that you have. And then he says, in the, in ver, later on, he repeats it again, but it's a little bit different. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remember, in, in the print world, prior to, uh, prior to all the technology we have today, there was only one way that you could emphasize something. You didn't have bold print. You didn't have highlighted material. It was through repetition. And you will notice in the eight verses we read today, there's several thoughts that are repeated over and over. When he says, I am the vine, he repeats, I am the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then he says, remain in me. And he explains where we can easily understand. It's a simple illustration. He says, if you cut the branch off of the vine, it dies. As long as it's part of the vine, it lives. And he says, remain, or some of the more familiar translations says, abide in me. And it's meaning stay connected to the vine and then you will have life. Stay connected to the vine, and therefore the life of God works in you. Stay connected to the vine. And then the reality of God with us can be experienced in everyday life. It's a beautiful illustration. Remain in me, and I knew. Remain in me. Now, how do we today abide in Christ? Well, there are three primary ways. First, if you are a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, recognize that God is present with you. It is the recognition, it is the consciously being aware that God is here. One of the many things I love about your church is how many times during the worship service scripture is read. And it's read by different people. And you hear the word of God coming to you through different voices. Oh, that's wonderful. But it's important to remember when you hear scripture, you're hearing God speak. Often people will say, well, I never hear the voice of God. Well, I think I know what they meant, and, and, and if I'm right, I'm, I've never heard the voice of God either. But I do hear the words of God. It is that conscious awareness when you're in not only worship, but every day of the week and every hour, just stop and pause and say, you know, God's here. That's one of the values of having prayer at meals. It, Yes, we need to say grace, express our thanksgiving to God, but part of the value of praying morning, evening, and night is you, you take a moment and say, God's present. I'm com communicating to God as if he was just here because what happens in life? We get so overwhelmed with our circumstances 
that we forget that God is with us and we panic. This last fall, I saw an illustration of it. I was at the Homewood High School football game and in front of the stands, there's an area where people, well, between, between the stands and the, the football field itself, there's a place where people walk back and forth and visit. And we were seated on, seated on about the second row of the, uh, of the stadium. And there was a, a man and his wife and uh, um, their small child, little boy, who was probably three or four walking with him. And the parents saw some friends of theirs and started conversation. And, and you know how that goes. And, and the child just gradually walked all, a, away. And he looks around and he doesn't see his parents. And he panics. Now, I was where I could see both sides. His parents knew where he was all of the time. He was real close to them, but he, he didn't see him. And he panics and, you know, and he starts to cry. Until his dad goes over and says, son, I'm here, I'm here. And his mother patted him. He panicked because he didn't realize they were so close. That happens to us. You're in a crisis. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a relationship crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. And you think, I've got to take things into my own hands. God is not present with us. Where is he? But it is when we are aware that he is present consciously, Reminding ourselves several times during the day that God with us, he is present because we are part of the vine. The second way that we experience God with us is through communing with God. Now often we use the word prayer and that's great. Prayer, uh, I generally use that term but I want us to think a little bit more than just prayer because to most of us prayer is where we deliver our want list to God our needs to God tell God what we want and it's a one-way conversation but authentic prayer is really more of a communion with God it is where we interact with him and he interacts with us and there are times of silence and there's times where we where we listen to him speak and for many of us, when we start to pray, we go into a rhythm or a routine that we've learned often from our childhood. And, you know, we could pray in our sleep if we had to. We know enough holy words, especially the kind of people that come to church on the first Sunday after Christmas during the COVID crisis. You know, we're, we're, I'm, 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 I started to say preaching to the choir, but the choir's not here, you know. I'm, I'm preaching to people of, of authentic deep faith today and that's who it's most tempting at times for us to do is to use the language of prayer without even thinking. Let me illustrate. A number of years ago, uh, back when I was a very young pastor, I pastored at a little community, Windsor, Missouri. Windsor, the average age of the community was 48, and if you know, that's a, an older community. They had an elementary school and all that, still the average age was 48. There was a nurse, one nursing home in town, and I would visit it every two weeks. I would go to see our members who were in the nursing home. 
But I would speak to everybody there. I would walk in, you know, have, you know, say, hi, how are you doing? But I would visit the rooms of our members. One day I was walking in and uh, there was a lady in a wheelchair. Her wheelchair was next to the nurse's desk. And I walked in and said, hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. And, you know, I was young, full of myself. And so I went on past her about, few, about three to five feet anyway. All of a sudden, she yelled at the top of her voice, stop! And, you know, man, I thought, have I tripped over something? You know, I didn't know if I'd on an oxygen uh, wire or something like that. And I stopped and turned around. She said, tell the young minister to come back and speak to me. Well, the nurses, boy, they came running. You know what? So I came back and she said, you speak to me every week, but you never talk to me. You deliver a memorized communication to me. I said, what? She says, yeah, you say, hi, how are you doing? You go on your way. And she said, I could tell you I'm dying. And you would say, God bless you and go on. She says, today, talk to me. I did. Interacted with her. It was a it was a major break for me on learning how to do ministry. I was very young and learned all of the lines, but I didn't often do it with my heart. But it also convicted me about my communication with God. I often prayed to God from a memorized communication. I didn't listen. I didn't engage. I didn't, I didn't hear what God was saying to me. Sometimes I even read scripture the same way. It was, I knew the beginning and the end, and I read it quickly, and I didn't pause to allow God to speak. Communing with God is, yes, expressing our needs and our desires but is listening. One of the best disciplines that uh, I ever learned, and I do not practice as often as I should, but I have frequently in my life, was Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, who have written frequently and on the spirit of disciplines, spoke, and they spoke at our church about the importance of listening after you pray, just to hear what God is saying. When I've done that, i found that my heart is enriched, but it has also guided me on what I actually needed to pray for. And it, where you hear God speak, not in an audible voice, but you, you have thoughts that you know are from God. That's communing with God. The third way that we stay as a part of the vine is in Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is often thought of as sort of two casseroles in a conversation, but it's not quite that. Christian fellowship is where we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and learn 
from each other about God. A number of years ago, well, wasn't that long. It was a gentleman, an older retired minister, had a conversation with me about things that had helped him in his spiritual life and in ministry. And he said one of the areas that he began to develop was after he had conversations with Christians, he would go back and reflect and think about what did I hear? What did they say to me? Now, when you, when you think about that, when you're, when you're together in Sunday school, you have Sunday school together and, you know, I hope you see that as sacred time, not just conversation about the previous football game or what you plan to do next and then work five minutes of scripture into it and say, God bless it. But in that process of meeting as brothers and sisters and you open the word of God and God gives to each one of you insights, some of those insights, uh, they don't apply to you and some of them I wouldn't call insights. Often, God reveals his will to, will to you through the conversations that you have. Remember, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you. God with us. That's how we know the reality of God being present. It is when we associate with Christian brothers and sisters and learn from them. This year, recognize it doesn't just happen, happen in Sunday school, but when you're with a group of Christians, maybe you have something planned over these holiday events of the next week where you're with a group of people and you know they know God, they love God, and you, you're not looking at Bible verses and giving each other a little spiritual lecture. But when it's over, pull back and think, what did I learn about God from the conversation with them? What did I hear? Maybe you weren't even talking about the things of God, but you know that God was present in them and things that you learned and you can start to apply to your life and you're communing with God. God with us. It's a reality it's not just a story from days of old. The God who is with us, the God who is with us in the here and now can be experienced. Remember when Jesus spoke these words? This was before the cross. This was before Jesus was resurrected, ascended, went to the Father. Why did he give it to his disciples then? They couldn't fully understand it. Remember almost Every idea that the Apostle Paul and those later discussed, they were things that Jesus had introduced to them at, at that time and, and then they built upon it and helped us have the full understanding of the Christian faith. But Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for when he was gone of how that promise, God with us, 
God dwelling among us is applicable and how you can experience in here and now. God is with us and because of that we can face the future, we can face whatever problems we have with confidence because God's here. As we remain in him, we're able to experience the reality of that. Would you stand, please? Father, we come to you, and sometimes we confess it's like we're talking to someone who's far off. In our mind, we have pictures of you up in heaven and us down here. And we sort of hope that you're able to reach down and occasionally hear our prayer. But Father, you are here with us. Forgive us for the times that we have ignored your presence. Sometimes it's deliberate, but sometimes it's just out of habit and routine. And may we this coming year practice you dwelling among us. And may people know from us and our life and our interactions that we're with you and you're with us. Now, Father, we confess who you are. We confess who we are. And know that in spite of our sin, but because of your son's death, burial, and resurrection, and our faith in him, you are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.